The topic for today, as we've been going through the fruit of the Spirit, uh, is, is patience. And there's a lot of elements to patience and what that means in the Christian life. Uh, patience as we go through situations, uh, patience as we deal with one another. But ultimately, I think the key to understanding patience is to know that God is patient with you. And so when I started this uh, series, we've been, if you're new here today, we've been going through the fruit of the Spirit, which is out of Galatians 5, uh, 22 and 23. And, and uh, the first day I launched this series, um, someone came up to me after the service and said, I can't wait until you speak on patience. <laughs> and I still don't know if they knew they were joking or understood what they were saying. Uh, but the reality is that, that all of us as people are, are just naturally bad at patience. And we're, this is true of every age when you look throughout the Bible, even back in the time of, of Israel as they're wandering through the desert. We've just always been conditioned to, to be people who want what we want now. And, and we want what we want of others. And, and we want it to be perfect. But patience is, is, is something that we are all bad at which is why this is the fruit of the Spirit, okay? This is God's work in us, and if we become patient, it's not because of our own efforts, it's because of God's work in us. And so this now is the, uh, the fourth fruit of the Spirit, and as we've been doing every week, I want us to read this out loud together, uh, the fruit of the Spirit, because the end goal of this uh, series is, is that we also memorize the fruit of the Spirit. So let's read this together off the screen or in your Bible. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I saw a few of you looking away from the screen as you did that now, so good for you. Let's just actually quiz, first, first four of them. Fruit of the Spirit is... I, that's like 98% A plus right there, guys. That's great. So as we said, we're going to be looking at the, the fruit of patience uh, today. And one thing we're going to learn through all of this is that when you, when you live a life of faith in God, it's, you, it's this full understanding and this trust that, that God's kind of got everything under his control, right? And if you're going through difficult moments, that there's a purpose for it. If you're, if you're having to wait for something, then, then you trust that it's in God's Timing And so patience is really uh, the ability to endure or to wait and to know that in those times of, of waiting or being stretched or even in times of pain, that there's a lesson for you in that, that God is, is forming you through those moments. And, and the word patience, as we see here in, in this uh, verse this Greek word is actually translated a lot of different ways. And if you're looking at different translations of the Bible, the word patience is the one that's, that's uh, changed most frequently between uh, translations because it can mean to forbear with, with people. It can mean to be long-suffering, to be able to go through difficult situations. It can also mean to persevere and to kind of keep going. And so this basic definition I want us to work with in, in patience and in looking at kind of all the elements of it is that it's really just, just not giving up. Okay, patience means not giving up. Don't, don't give up in the situations that you're in. Don't give up on the people around you. And most importantly, don't give up on God. And have this willingness to keep 
going. Because the reality is that life is full of tests. And you're going to have a lot of tests of your patience. And our, our natural response to those tests is to fret. It's to fume. It's, it's to worry. It's, it's to hurry. But God wants you to react to these tests with patience. Because there's something in it that he's trying to teach you. So we're going to go through today and look at kind of three elements of patience, uh, all in the, in the New Testament today. But know that patience is, is something that is situational in our lives. It's, it's relational with one another, and most importantly, it is spiritual. There's a spiritual patience we need to develop. So before we get into our scriptures today, let me just pray for us and uh, pray, pray for all of you this, this prayer of patience that God would lead your hearts to that. So pray with me today. So God, we just want to thank you for the great work that you do in us and, and this, these, this list of attributes and characteristics that, that you work in us. God, we all admit before you that, that we all need patience. We need more patience in our lives. And in this culture of instant gratification and, and everything is, is done quickly without ever really needing to be stretched God, we know that in times of difficulties, in times of waiting, that there's lessons you have for us and that it's going to build us in our character. It's going to build us in, in our perseverance and in our faith. And so, God, I pray that we would be more patient people, that the tests that come before us uh, today and, and beyond, that we react to them with the patience that, that you desire of us and that you give us. So I just pray today that you'd be speaking to us through your Holy Spirit, that you would be humbling and softening our hearts to receive your word of truth. And so I pray for that for each and every one of us, that you would direct our hearts uh, to your patience. And so I pray this now in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now last week, as you know, uh, we, we kind of flipped through like the whole Bible and this series, there's, there's going to be a lot of, of scriptures every week. And so I'm trying to be easy on you this week. I've got it all within about 10 books or 10 letters of the New Testament. So we're going to keep you all in the same area. Uh, but we're going to start in the book of, of Romans. If you want to open up there, I encourage you to do so. Or we will have the scriptures uh, on the screen throughout the, the sermon today. But this one comes in Romans 12. And this is really a part of the book of Romans where it's talking about this difference between life in the spirit, life in the flesh, and how we live with one another, how we live in our relationship with God. And this is a really important verse here because this is just so different than how we would live naturally, you know, by ourselves without the Lord. But here in Romans 12, 12, we read that we are to be joyful in hope, patient in in affliction, and faithful in prayer. And those three words there, joy, patience, and faithfulness, are all fruits of the Spirit. But here we see this, this middle part, patient, that, that we are to be patient in the affliction of our life. And so this first element of patience that I'm going to be talking about is, is situational patience. And how do you deal with these moments in your life where you're hurting or you're misunderstood or in this case you're being afflicted or persecuted in some way? How do you deal with those situations in which it's, it's God's trials in your life? And, and the answer is that you are to react with patience. And that's a pretty big statement that envelops a lot of things, but 
But just a quick recap, you know, throughout this series, we've talked a lot about trials and hardships. What do you do with trials and hardships in your life? And we're not going to speak much about it today, except just to, to reinforce and to remind you that trials don't come for the Christian because of some lack of faith. Okay, there's going to be trials that God brings into your life for great purpose. You know, you might have trials in your life that are a result of just doing dumb things. We're not talking necessarily about that, but, but even if you're walking in obedience and, and you're doing things well and, and faithfully, God still might bring incredibly difficult things in your life, and there's great purpose to all of that. You know, as Christians, we often try to comfort one another and give one another advice for someone else who's struggling through a situation. And we just say, you know, just, you know, they might be having a difficult thing. Why did this person say this mean and terrible thing to me? And we're just like, just ignore it. Just pretend it's not there. Or they're going through some other hardship. It's like, just, you know, just keep going and just keep trudging on. We get this idea that we're supposed to just ignore these trials in our life and then somehow things are going to get better. And it's kind of like telling someone who's been stabbed in the chest, just don't bleed. Okay? Just pretend you don't have holes in your chest. Everything's going to be fine. And I think as, as Christians, when we be patient in affliction, it means that you persevere through it and you fully acknowledge the amount of pain or, or the injustice or how unfair things feel in your life, and you walk through that with full trust and faith that God's still there and God's got your back. And, and it goes one step further uh, earlier in the book of Romans, in Romans chapter 5, that Paul says we are to glory in our sufferings. We're to glory in our sufferings, which is so different than the culture we live in, which is, is to glorify comfort. Right? We're, we're a culture that, that glorifies the easy things, the instant things. There should be no personal cost or sacrifice. There should be no personal consequence. But, but Paul says we're to glory in our sufferings. And that's just the complete antithesis of, of what we believe and what we know and what we experience as a culture. To be patient in affliction is to walk through the difficult things with full acknowledgement of how difficult it is. And he goes on in Romans 5, earlier in the book, that we glory in our sufferings because we know, and this means we, we have full faith, that this suffering is going to do something in our lives. And he says it, it produces perseverance. It makes us stronger. And that perseverance produces character, which makes us better and makes us more like Christ. And that character ultimately is going to produce hope. And that hope will not disappoint. This first point as we have situational patience in, in an affliction or a hardship is to keep going and have full acknowledgement of what's going on in your life, knowing that this patience, as you walk through this situation, you're going to become a stronger, more mature person with a more complete faith. There's great purpose in what you're going through. Also, we have to situationally understand that things aren't going to be instant. They're not going to be instant. If you flip back a couple of chapters 
here in Roman, Romans 8. We're looking at verses 24 and, and 25. And it's this idea, again, there's, there's sufferings in your life that, that are going to produce some kind of glory in the future. And he writes that in this hope, that again, this hope that there's an other side to all of these trials, it's in this hope that we're saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. And it's this idea, again, that, that all of faith is this future-focused endeavor that God is doing something now, but he's also going to do something that we're waiting for. And that's, that's the basis of hope, is that we do not yet have what we're hoping for. There's this, this future awareness that God is ultimately going to do what he says he's going to do. It just hasn't happened yet. So be patient in God's timing. And if you have kids or had, had kids and went on road trips, you know there's one question you're going to receive at some point in the tenure of their childhood as you're on a road trip. Are we there yet? Yeah, and, and our, our six-year-old is really good at that one. And, you know, even from a young age, he understands that there's, there's time left on this, and his, his grandparents, uh, Mandy's parents, are about five hours away, which is a, is a trip all in itself. But now he has a variation of that question. Instead of, are we there yet? It was how many hours left. And now it's how many minutes. So we might tell him it's, it's three and a half hours. He's like, well, how many minutes is that? Because you all know that minutes are shorter than hours. And that's how we live life, is we like to measure things in minutes rather than hours. But God measures things in millennia rather than years. And it, we read in the book of 2 Peter 3 that, that we can't forget this one thing, that for the Lord a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. And what this tells us is that, that God's timing is so incredibly different than our timing. And, and his timing is perfect. And, and a day, a year, a decade, that's, that's nothing to him. We want it to happen in minutes. God might work in decades. And so you have to be patient in the timing that God has for you, no matter what you're waiting for. And you think even about the patience of, of his son coming to earth, Jesus coming, he came long after the promises were made. And, you know, there's probably no uh, prophet in the Old Testament that, that prophesied of the coming Messiah more than Isaiah, all right? And so much is written there of this, this coming Messiah that, that God is promising. Jesus came 700 years after Isaiah. And God made this promise with Abraham that from your offspring will come the Messiah, as almost 1,800 years later. All right, the first promise of the Messiah, of the coming Savior, was to Adam and Eve themselves in the garden shortly after they sinned. And he, and he promised that an offspring would come that would crush the head of the serpent with his heel. And so they, they walked with this promise that, okay, someone from, from our lineage, is, you know, some, one of our offspring is going to be the Savior here. And here's where we see the difference between people's patience and God's patience. Their firstborn son was Cain. Okay, and in the Hebrew, the ancient Hebrew, Cain is, is most directly defined as here he is. 
And so we see, we don't know if it was nine months that had passed from this promise, or maybe a couple, three, four, five years until Cain was born. But the very first son that was born of Adam and Eve, they gave him the name, here he is. And it's like, we had to wait nine months for this promise of God to come true. Here he is, the Savior. And we know how things turned out for Cain. He's the firstborn, but he's also the first murderer in the history of the world. And that's the difference here between people's patience and God's patience. They, they thought they had to wait a really long time. No, it, it came 4,000 years after God promised it. And that's the, the lesson for all of us is that our hope are in the things we do not have, okay? And we're going to have to wait for them. Wait patiently in God's timing. So if you're trying to rush through something in life and, and you know what you think you need and you want to just put this thing behind you, this time of waiting, maybe God needs you to just be in it for a while. Maybe God needs you in this moment. And so patience is, is saying you trust God's timing. And when you say, I trust God's timing, know what it is you're actually saying. Because for him, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like a day. So when you're wading through these things, and through, through maybe suffering or just waiting in time, do it with the patience and this trust and this faith that God's got this whole thing figured out. And his pace is our pace. Now, hardships, suffering, waiting, all of these things can test our patience. But there's probably no greater test of patience than people. Right, than, than one another. And all of us know that there's, there's someone that just gets under your skin, someone that, you, uh, that annoys you, that frustrates you and, and drives you nuts. And, and people can be maddening. Right? The, the Bible actually has a lot to say about how we should be patient towards others, our, our relational patience. And so I'll have you flip forward about four books in your Bible here to the book of Ephesians as we read this verse. And we actually read from this uh, last week, but this is the verse before that we read last week, Ephesians 4, 2, that we're to be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. And these word patient and and bearing or forbearance are actually kind of two in the same word here. But I want to back up and just look at the, the words before that, we're to be humble in our patience. And this is a kind of a key to unlock the whole idea of patience. If you are patient with others, you understand that they also need to be patient with you. And humility is this, this understanding that all of us come with faults. Nobody is better than the other person. And, and your problems are just different than my problems. So the patience you need to show to someone else is the same patience that someone else needs to show to you. And I, I think about how we even talk about things in life. You know, you might get frustrated and impatient. You say, I am stuck in traffic right now. The reality is you're not, you're not in traffic. You, you are traffic, right? And so you're waiting behind people. Guess, guess what? There's, there's people waiting behind you too. It's not everyone else's fault. Like you're in it. You, you, you are traffic. And our pride and, and our arrogance with other people can, can really 
lead us to a place of impatience where we say, if everyone out there were just like me, all of this would be fine. But everybody needs patience. People need to be patient with, with you. And that's we are to then bear with one another in love. And, and the word bear here, or forebears, is literally it, it just put up with each other and, and accept the fact that people are going to come with faults and failures. Okay, you're going to have to bear with that. And that's maybe another secret to patience is just, just know that the people around you are going to have faults. Okay? You're going, to have, you're going to find faults in, in your spouses and in, in your children. and not, not my spouse. I mean, like all of your spouses are going to have faults. Your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, each other in church, we're all going to come with faults. And, and the secret to patience is just knowing people are going to come with, with deficiencies. And people are going to come with things that annoy you. And, and maybe they can't change very quickly. But you can. You can show the forbearance towards them and, and be willing just to move on and bear with them in love. And if we go forward a couple more books here in, in, the, in the book of Colossians, letter of Colossians here. We read now in uh, verse, chapter 3, verse 13. Again, these same words were to bear with one another. Now this goes one step further. And then forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. And here's the key here, to forgive as the Lord forgave you. And I want us to just look at those last words there. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And we understand how the Lord forgave us. He didn't forgive us because we're forgivable. He didn't bear with us because we're bearable. He didn't love us because we're lovable. He, he did all of those things because he chose to. And that's how we're to look at other people. We don't love those because we feel like loving them or forgive them because we feel like forgiving them. We, we understand how God bore or bears with us and loves us and forgives us. And now we're to forgive others in the same way. And that means we do it without condition. That's a key to patience here is, is there's no, you don't be patient with the people who you feel like you need to be patient with, but you be patient with them as God was patient with you. You might be saying to yourself, why am I always surrounded by these people that are hard to be patient with, though? They, they just grind my gears and I'm always frustrated and I'm always rolling my eyes. Why does God keep sending these people in my life that are difficult to be patient with? And I've heard it said that if you're wondering why God is giving you the same tests over and over again, maybe it's time for you to pass them. Okay? The reality is your patience with others is going to be tested. So make sure you pass those tests or God's going to keep giving it to you over and over again. And patience is truly loving people, not because of who they are to you, but oftentimes in, in spite of who they are. You love them past their faults, and, and it sees potential in people and their best qualities rather than their worst. And so patience then becomes this remarkable display of God's love in your life. And that's really the last point I want to touch on here is this, this spiritual patience. And this is recognizing first 
what God is doing in you, but then also what God has done for you in his patience. I'm going to have you flip back one book into the book of Philippians. And this is kind of in the, in the beginning part here, Philippians 1, verse 6, that he's, he's talking about this great work that's happening in, in the church of Philippi. And he says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And so there's two important things I want to take out of this when it comes to spiritual patience. The first thing is to be patient with yourself here. God is doing something in you that's not yet done. So God is doing an amazing work in every believer. And the reality is that we are now a work in progress because he's not completed with that work yet. He's not finished. And I kind of want like every Christian at times to wear this sign that says, excuse the mess, I'm under construction. All right, and there's this work that God is doing that is, that is going on for your whole life, and he's going to continue that work and carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. This means until Jesus comes back, he's going to keep doing this work in us. And there's these three tenets of salvation. These are kind of big theological words, but it's important to understand here that when you have faith in Jesus, that, that your whole past is covered. All right, that's justification. That everything from your past, every sin, is instantly forgiven and removed from you when you come to faith in Jesus. You're justified instantly before the Lord. But then from that point forward, there's this process called sanctification, and that's God doing his work in you. He's making you more like him. And it's, it's a lifelong process that is not instant, but ongoing. And then finally, when he returns, there's a glorification, and that's we understand that we will be made completely in his image. We will reflect the full glory of God. That's a future thing, and it's a permanent thing, but it's not yet coming. So here we are walking down this, this middle part here, sanctification. So have spiritual patience with yourself. Okay, Know that you are a work in progress. And the last point is, is that you have to have this understanding that God is patient with you. We're going to touch on this now. If you go forward, four more letters in your Bible to 1 Timothy. This is maybe a lesser known verse in the, in the Christian faith that I, I kind of wish we, had, we would talk. And this is the one you should have like on a coffee mug as you remember what, what God is doing. And I'm going to read verse 15 first here. This is 1 Timothy 1.15. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. This is the Apostle Paul speaking here. He calls himself the worst of all sinners. And I just want to touch on this before we read this next verse to understand the point that he's making here. Paul kind of was the worst. All right, and, and he, was a, he was formerly known as Saul. He was this zealous Jewish leader who made it a game to persecute and kill Christians. And he loved, he was there at the stoning of Stephen. He loved this. And he was on his way to Damascus to kind of cause more trouble for the church and, and kill more Christians. And, and then he literally saw the light. All right? And God met him there on that road and, and spoke to him and said, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he came to faith in that moment. 
All right, and we went, him went up from Damascus, and it said that there'd be a man named Ananias who would meet, them, meet him there to kind of help him into this, an early discipleship. And Ananias was spoken to by the Lord about this man named Saul who was going to come, and, and, and he's like, uh, uh, God, I think you got your wires crossed here, okay? That guy's the worst. He's the worst. And there's no way you're talking about Saul. And sure enough, he was. And God gives Saul a second chance. He becomes the apostle Paul and a cornerstone of the entire church. And, and the common response of the early church with this guy named Saul, now Paul, is like, you're kidding me, right? This guy, there's, there's just no way. And from a human perspective, everyone lost patience with Saul. Everyone gave up on Saul. But God didn't. God didn't. And that's why, he reads, that's why he writes this next verse here in verse 16. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. That, that's a really important part of the Christian faith is that God has so much patience with us. God does not give up on us. And, and I want to speak uh, specifically to those who are living in, in shame and in guilt of whatever thing you did in your past where you say, there's no way God loves me. There's no way God can forgive me. There is incredible patience of God. And he is faithful and just to forgive you of any sin that you confess, confess to him that there is forgiveness and mercy and grace waiting for you when you come to God in repentance. The worst thing you can do in your sin is, is to, to let that, that consequence be maximized, to turn into that shame and guilt and to turn away from God or, or to move into some place of pride where you, you are proud of your sin or a passiveness where you think that there's no problem and you, you live this life. But if you come to a place of acknowledgement and repentance, of that sin before God, he is incredibly patient. He's patient with every person and he's willing to forgive you no matter where you are. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, but he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to a place of repentance. God was spiritually patient even with a man like Saul the worst of the worst. So no matter where you're coming in to him today, there's patience for you too, and there's forgiveness waiting for you. God hasn't given up on you. God hasn't given up on anyone, and so you cannot give up on yourself. Have patience. And as we close this and transition into communion, I, I would just say the best thing you can do if you want to grow in patience is to ask God for patience. And it's said that the most dangerous prayer in the Christian life is the prayer of patience. Because God doesn't give you patience, he gives you the ability to develop your patience. And this is from the book of 2 Thessalonians, chapter three, verse five, that Paul is actually praying this over the Thessalonian church, that the Lord might direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's patience. Or perseverance. That's what God does is he directs your hearts into patience. God doesn't just ask us or suggest us to have patience through life, but he, 
He expects it of us. And not just for the good of others around us, but really for the well-being of ourselves. You know, when you're impatient through life, it's going to lead to all sorts of stress and worry and conflict. But when you trust in God's timing and rest in his will, and when you, when you bear with one another and you live with that relational patience, and, and most importantly, when you remember God's patience for you and his forgiveness that he has for you, through that you can truly stand justified, sanctified before the Lord and one day glorified. It's because of his great patience and his love for us. And that's what we're going to take a moment to remember right now, is God's great patience for us, his great love for us. And I'm going to go back and and read uh, from Romans, kind of where we left off in one of these verses in, in Romans 5. I referenced this before. That at just the right time, again, this is when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. God sent his son at just the right time. And in his patient view of history, God sent his son, Jesus, to die for us, the ungodly. And very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, some might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God was patient in time to send his son Jesus at at the correct appointed time, thousands of years after he was promised. And he was patient even to the point of suffering on the cross for our forgiveness. It's because of his patience and his love for us that we can stand before him forgiven and reconciled. That's what communion is, is it's, it's a reminder. It's a time that God told us to take when we meet regularly, to take this time just, just to purely focus and remember what he did for us. That he was patient through all of the affliction in his life, that he took upon that suffering for you and for great purpose, that you could be forgiven, that you could be made new, that you could be reconciled. And so it's just a little bit for anyone that's new here today what communion means. I'm just going to kind of put this in, in three points. Uh, this is something we do monthly here, and it's for anyone who professes faith in Jesus. So if you're a guest here today, there's no class that's necessary. There's no membership of any kind. If, if you are a Christ follower and you've, you have faith, you profess faith in him, this is a time for you as well. And we also believe that the, the bread and the cup, uh, these are symbolic Okay, these are to help us remind, uh, help us remember the body and the blood of Jesus. And it's also a time that we, we do uh, with reverence. It's a time that leads to reflection of who he is, what he did for us, and now who we are in him. And so we take a time of self-examination before we pass the bread and the cup. And I'll give you more instructions in that uh, after that. But we take a time just to reflect and to just have a time between you and the Lord where maybe it's a time that you confess sin in your life. Maybe it's a time that you ask him for more patience in your life. Maybe it's just a time to say, thank you, God, for all you've done. But this is a time just between you and the Lord. We're going to take a quick minute or two of silence as you examine your heart and spend this time with the Lord.